Good morning and welcome to the Berean Post devotional podcast, where we take a deep dive into the scriptures to find new insights and practical application for our modern lives. I'm your host, Duane, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have you with us today. Each day we'll explore a different passage from the Bible, unpacking its meaning and exploring how it can guide our lives for today. So grab your Bible, your favorite drink, and get ready for an exciting journey of discovery. And if you want to stay up to date on all of our latest podcasts and blogs, be sure to check out brilliantpost.ca. Also, join our Facebook group where we call ourselves Bright Future Bible Freaks, and we have a lot of fun there together. But right now, we're going to get started and jump right into today's devotional. Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Berean Post-Devotional Podcast. And we are in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be focusing on verse uh, 16. So Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. This is actually part 5 of examining this particular body of thought. And um, so for those of you that have been following along, we're going to just go ahead and jump in. I'm going to start with the text again. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, Submit to your own husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. The Colossian church was established around 50 to 60 AD in the first century, and during that time the Jewish scriptures or the Old Testament as we call it today would have been the primary source of information about the life and the teachings of Jesus available to them as they showed how Jesus fulfilled the Jewish prophecies about the Messiah. This passage emphasizes that Paul urges the Colossians to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs as a means of teaching and, and edification. Additionally, the early church had access to 
uh, the oral traditions about Jesus passed down by the apostles and other eyewitnesses. So it's possible that some of the New Testament writings, such as the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark, were already in circulation and may have been available to the Colossians. However, it's equally possible that these writings had not yet been written or um, were not yet widely distributed. During the early church, oral tradition and teaching held significant value. Many teachings and stories about Jesus were passed down through oral tradition before being written down. As time passed, the letters of Paul, including the one here addressed to the Colossians, were circulated among the early Christian communities, and they provided guidance and instruction about the Christian faith as well. In addition to these these written teachings, Paul held up his life as a model to follow in the Christian faith. He said this, for instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. He reiterates it again in Philippians 3.17 when he says, brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk so as you have for us a pattern. This passage discusses, in the passage in Colossians I'm referring to, this passage discusses an exciting point in the text regarding what Paul meant by let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Now, while personally I am not a Greek scholar, research tools can help even the beginner students of the Bible's game gain a cursory understanding of some of the Greek words being used. For instance, two primary Greek words are translated into ink that are translated into the english uh, word word <laughs> um, would be first uh, for example the first word would be logos so logos is translated from greek into english as the english word word <laughs> if you can follow that so logos is a philosophical term that refers to the rational principle that governs the universe and carries connotations of reason wisdom and even divine intelligence so John uses this word to describe Jesus as the word made flesh, logos made flesh. But the second Greek word, which is also translated into the English as word, is rhema. And this is used in a more a general sense, generally to refer to a spoken or written word and appears in various places throughout the New Testament to describe the words of Jesus, the teachings of the apostles, and the scriptures themselves. In Colossians 3.16, Paul uses the first word, though, logos, which refers to the the logic or the reason and the thinking of Christ. Paul urges the Colossians to understand Christ's teachings rather than to simply memorize scripture. The expense of books and widespread illiteracy in biblical times suggests that Paul was not referring to memorization, as it would uh, scripture memorization, as it would have not been practical for most most people, but instead Paul is likely in um, likely encouraged the Colossians to internalize and apply what they heard about Christ and his teachings, Christ's teachings, into their daily lives, allowing them to live in a way that reflects the wisdom and the reasoning of Christ. In other words, he told the Colossians to think like Jesus, as our thinking. Because, you know, our thinking governs our actions. Paul's understanding of this concept developed over time, becoming more crystallized by the time he writes to the Roman church, where 
he beseeches them to present their bodies as living sacrifices and be transformed how by the renewing of their mind or the indwelling words of christ i take that to me and in romans 12 1 paul says i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove god's good acceptable and perfect will and again, he reiterates this in Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 5, where he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. In other words, he's saying, think like Jesus thought. Over the course of the last two millennial, uh, significant changes have taken place. For instance, my wife and I possess over 56 Bibles, encompassing different translation styles, colors, shapes, and forms. And this alone stands in stark contrast to the primitive church in Colossae. However, we're fortunate to have the opportunity to engage both in the Rhema and the Logos daily. However, knowing what the Bible says alone cannot bring about transformation in oneself, the world, or in anyone else. Victory is not merely attained by those who hear the word, but by those who act upon it. What good does it serve to memorize a scripture on forgiveness if one cannot forgive in real time? The transformation of the world in the first and second centuries was not brought about by merely reciting written text. Instead, it was the embodiment embodiment of the teachings of Jesus by his followers that caused this change. This means that those who genuinely, genuinely rather internalized and implemented Jesus' teachings in their everyday lives were the ones who transformed the world. They didn't just read the words, they were transformed by them and acted upon them, embodying the word in their actions and interactions with others. Okay, look, certainly memorizing scripture is valuable. And the Holy Spirit, um, when you do that, the Holy Spirit can bring back the words of the sacred text to through recall. However, there must be something to recall. So yes, memorize Bible passages and contemplate the scriptures deeply. That notwithstanding, even more important, I believe, is to practically and experientially master one scripture. And then to be able to recite every verse from Genesis to Revelation from memory. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Brian Post Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion and it's brought you some encouragement and insight. Hey, if you want to stay up to date with all of our latest blogs, posts, and podcast episodes, be sure to visit brianpost.ca and subscribe. Don't forget to share our website with your friends who might need some inspiration or motivation. You can also join our community of bright future Bible freaks on Facebook. Until next time, may peace and blessings abound in your home.